Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Well, good morning, church family. I'm so glad and honored that you could join us today on Online Church. Uh, my name is Jordan, and happy Easter. I just want to say happy Easter or happy Resurrection Sunday, because that's what it's really all about. It's not about bunnies and eggs, but it's about Jesus raising from the dead. And um, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. You know, the resurrection is, is this event that all of Christianity hinges upon. You know, the resurrection uh, gives so much to us. I mean, it, it gives us hope. Um, it affirms what Jesus did for us. It, it affirms everything that he taught, everything that he said, everything he spoke about, and then it gives the evidence that he is who he says he is. So, um, you know, Jesus died in front of um, Greeks and, and Jews and believers and non-believers, and yes, that is true, and he died on the cross, but he also, he rose again on the third day in front of people, and he appeared to people in physical form, like he really raised from the dead, right? He did not stay in the grave, and the tomb is empty, and it remains empty. That is awesome. I'm so excited about that. You know, um, the world may be in quarantine mode right now, but the gospel is never in quarantine. Um, you cannot stop the gospel. You can't stop Jesus from doing what he's doing, and, and you can't stop people from being transformed and changed every single day. So I want to encourage you, church, that no matter what you're going through, that, that Jesus is still on the throne. He is still in charge, and he is making transformations every single day in people's lives and strengthening us and encouraging us. So that's kind of, that's where we're starting this morning. Um, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, Paul here is speaking to the Corinthian church exactly about this. Um, he is reminding the church of the resurrection of Jesus and everything that entails. So maybe this morning you've never heard of the resurrection or you've heard bits and pieces. Well, you're going to get a crash course on how significant and amazing the resurrection of Jesus is. And maybe if you already know and you've heard this, uh, you know, passage of scripture or or just this event for years and years and years, it's okay to have a reminder. Um, it's okay to to re-know um, that excitement. To re-know is probably not a word, but you know what I mean. To re-remember uh, exactly what Jesus has done and how special and how important that is, right? So um, before we dive in, let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, I just thank you um, for blessing us, Lord God. I thank you for allowing us to gather this way, Lord Jesus. God, I just pray that you would reveal your word to us, that it would come alive. Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate your scriptures, Lord, that you would um, just touch all of our hearts, all of our minds to be able to receive what you want us to have this morning, God, the significance behind your resurrection, God, the significance of who you are and what that means for us today, Lord God. That is not just an event that happened 2,000 years ago, but it is a transforming reality that we can share every single day, Lord Jesus. Just bless us, guide us, anoint me, Lord Jesus. Let me speak your truth. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, like I said, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. Okay, so we're going to start the first verse and we're going to read through the 8th verse. Okay? This is what it says. Verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. 
if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. You know, the entire world must hear about the good news of the resurrection. And Paul simply puts it this way. This is the gospel in a nutshell, that Jesus died for your sins, he was buried and was raised again. That's the simple gospel. That's the powerful, simple gospel right there of what Jesus did and just those three things. And, and, and not only that he was raised again, but his ministry continued. Like 40 days after he rose again, he appeared to all these people. And, and Paul even says again to 500 people, you know, and Jesus, even when he ascended to heaven, like that was 40 days after he was raised from the dead. Um, it's important for us to note that us believing this and us receiving eternal life isn't based on our works. There's a lot of beliefs in a lot of religions out there right now that, that believe that, you know what, you can do enough good things to buy yourself into heaven, essentially, right? If, like there's a scale of life, and you know, if you do more good things and they outweigh the bad things, then you're good. You know, and, and that's a thought process that you meet a lot of people and you even ask them, like, do you think you're a good person? And most of the time people are like, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. They, they realize they make mistakes, but overall, they're really good. They're a good guy. Well, you know what? Jesus taught and proved the exact opposite of that. You know, you do not have the power or the authority or the ability to grant yourself access to heaven, to grant yourself into paradise or, or eternal life, you know? Whether you are on earth, and there are a lot of people that, that do this, they're seeking, you know, this enlightenment or nirvana, where, you know, you become one with the world and you are full of wisdom and you are just, you know, you're, you're perfected while you're here on earth. Or, or maybe it's you're waiting for an afterlife. Like I said, if you do enough good deeds, if you do enough good things, that, you know, for some reason, um, you, will, you will be granted this paradise that maybe you can even construct. Or some people believe in, you know, reincarnation, that if you do really good things, you're gonna come back not as a dung beetle, because a dung beetle did a lot of bad things in the past, right? But you're gonna come back as a majestic eagle, right? And all of this is, is, is it's not biblical by any means. Because honestly, what we deserve, what you deserve, what I deserve without Jesus is complete separation and alienation from God. We deserve punishment for our sins. We deserve this eternal judgment, this eternal wrath that God has placed on us because we have disobeyed him and we have walked away and turned our backs on him. So every good thing you did or are going to do is useless because you are dead in your sins. I mean, let's, let's honestly be clear, guys. You're not a good person. That's at the end of the day, anyone you meet, they're not a good person. Not even me, right? No, nobody is good, okay? So Romans teaches us that, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all failed and we have all sinned, right? We are our dead in our sins. Uh, and you think, how so? Like, I'm a pretty good guy. Well, you know, uh, even if you just look at the Ten Commandments or whatever, like, we lie, 
we cheat, um, we steal, we disrespect our parents, you know? There's no one out there that would say, I have always respected my parents. Like, you have done it, right? Kids right now, probably in quarantine mode, you're doing it. You're disrespecting your parents, probably because you're getting annoyed by them, right? And maybe parents, you're getting annoyed of your kids sometimes. It happens, right? And we, we disrespect our authorities. We have laws in place and, and people in place that maybe we don't like, and so we completely disrespect it because we don't like it. Um, you know, we worship idols. Um, we worship people that are famous or people that are special or athletes or whatever else or or you know we worship lifestyles of um, um, you know you this extravagant lifestyle or we want what other people have you know all these things we worship instead of God and we put above our devotion to God you know and uh, we we want other people have and and we lust for people you know we we have this thing where we look at someone we desire them and it's not a, a righteous or pure desire like it's lustful like we look at people and and are attracted to the bad things right and so uh you know we are sinners and the the bottom line is that's it we're sinners and there's no amount of good deeds that we can do to ever justify us you know you die and go to heaven or you stand before god and and you know he looks at you and you can say you know i've done all these good things he's not that's not going to matter there's only one thing that matters for instance let me give an illustration Let's say that you are on trial for murder. You just committed a murder, right? And so you go to the courtroom and stand before the judge. And the judge is going to sentence you to death for the murder, right? Like you're, you're getting it, okay? You're, you're going to get the sentence. But before he does that, you're like, judge, wait a second. You know, I volunteer at the Red Cross a lot, you know, and I read to little kids, like I help them out with their homework, like every Saturday I do this. I don't even go out and have fun on Saturdays. I read books to children and teach them, right? Or I mow lawns every other Wednesday or something, right? The judge is gonna look at you and like, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter those good things that you thought were, were going to help you or save you. The fact is you committed murder, you messed up, and now you are going to have to pay for it. And that's what it's gonna be like justifying us in front of God. Like, yeah, I did, I did all these bad things, but look at all the good things it did. It's like, that's, that doesn't matter. You deserve punishment. And so why that is so special to us as Christians is because we realize we need a savior. We can't do this on our own. We can't stand before a holy and perfect and righteous God and think that we can buy our way in. Like, we know, we know we messed up, and so we need someone to stand. And that's where Jesus comes in the courtroom, and he is the one that paid our fine. He is the one that took our punishment upon himself to, so that we could have a right standing with God, so that we could be made righteous because he imputes that righteousness onto us because he took our punishment, okay? So I don't know about you, but this news changed my life. Um, it was, you know, I, I grew up religious and uh, I grew up hearing about Jesus, you know, and going to church, but it never, it never was real to me. You know, it was never really like, uh, yeah, Jesus is Lord. Like I said it, but I didn't mean it. I didn't really think that he was Lord. I didn't, I didn't have that. And so as I grew up and, and, and went through things in my life, you know, parents got divorced and then uh, joined the military and all these things, had all these different events. You know, I just, I lived for myself. I only cared about myself. I hurt people. Um, I did what I wanted to do all the time. And you know, it wasn't until almost about four years ago that I actually gave my life to Jesus. And I remember it very distinctly because I, I 
basically been kicked out of my apartment I was living in and moved in with someone and rented a room and and uh, I'm just there and it's like the lowest of lows I've ever felt. Nothing was going right in my life. I pushed everyone away. Um, I, I made more enemies than friends and I remember that I was on my phone and I was watching a Netflix documentary. And on this documentary, it was these Christians that were going around and, and loving people and praying for people, you know, and blessing people. And uh, it just, it hit me, like, because they were going to these people that, you know, are, are the rejects or whatever else. And they're saying, God loves you. God cares about you. He desires you. You know, he, he, he died on the cross for you. And it was in that moment where it, the more I watched it, um, the more tears that were running down my face because I was at a place where I'm like, man, I'm, I'm such a sinner. I'm so messed up. Like, I remember falling down on my face and praying to Jesus, like, I don't know who you are. I don't really, I've heard about you, but I don't know you. I want to know you. I know that, that I don't have a lot to offer, but Jesus, I give everything I have to you. And you know, that's what he wants. And so, so personal was his atonement for my sins and for all of our sins. You know, you look at it, it's, it's for every lie you've said, for every bad word, for every bad thought, for the jealousy, for all the bad choices, whatever mistakes you have made. Jesus took upon himself and took him to the cross and he killed it for you. He destroyed that sin for you so that you could be washed clean by his blood and be made right with God. You know, Jesus grants eternal life through faith and repentance by believing in Jesus, believing who he says he is and what he did on the cross and that he was resurrected and also repenting, turning away from your old life, no longer doing the things you used to do, but following Jesus, walking in the light, doing what he commands you to do. And this good news of what Jesus has done is extremely intimate. And that's why Paul, he starts the verses in this way. He's, he's talking to these Corinthians and he's, he's sharing about this discussion on the resurrection. And he comes on a, on a platform that says, these Corinthians, they have, they have heard this before. They are standing on it and they're being transformed. You cannot really and truly understand the gravity of the gospel until you accept it and it invades your life and you are transformed by it. There's no way you can truly explain it or express it, you know? And it's, it's, it's because it has to be made real. And, and when you do that, and when it becomes real, everything starts becoming real. I remember when, when before I got saved, before I accepted Jesus truly into my life, when I would read the Bible, it didn't make sense. I didn't understand half the things that were going on, you know? And, and when I, after I got saved, it's like the Bible came alive. It's like the Holy Spirit illuminated the scriptures for me. And I was finally understanding it. And the more I read, the more I was amazed that the Bible foretold all these things that were going to happen hundreds of years in the future. I mean, we've realized as a church as we've gone through this that that the Bible is, is constantly, God is telling the future through his prophets and then they recorded it so that we could know, that we could see hindsight that, wow, God said that was gonna happen like hundreds of years ago, you know? And then as you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, they all point to Jesus. It's a unified story about Jesus. The entire Bible is about Jesus. And so you don't quite get that until it's made real in your life and you accept Jesus, right? And so your faith starts by believing in what Jesus has done for you and accepting it, but it continues to grow 
and get stronger every moment you follow Jesus. You know, I noticed for myself, and maybe you have too, when I first accepted Jesus into my life, you know, I, I had some faith, but as I've walked with him, as I've studied the scriptures, as I've tried to live in it, like my faith is so much stronger now than it was back then. I trust Jesus way more now than I did back then because I've walked with him and my faith has grown and he has blessed me through that. You know, we say a lot of stuff about faith and I found this um, really awesome uh, quote by Charles Spurgeon um, that I'd like to share with you guys. He's talking about faith. He says, faith is not a blind thing for faith begins with knowledge. It is not a speculative thing for faith believes facts of which it is sure. It is not an unpractical dreamy thing for faith trusts and stakes its destiny upon the truth of revelation. Faith is the eye which looks Faith is the hand which grasps. Faith is the mouth which feeds upon Christ. You know, faith in Jesus is so unique. It's more unique than, than any other religion or any other belief at all. You know, and I, I, as I was thinking about this, you know, the thought hit me like, why is it that Christians are constantly in danger of being persecuted or rejected or hated all across the world? I mean, and, and has always been since the start, you know, since the start, the followers of Jesus have been persecuted and, and killed for their belief in Jesus. And I was like, why is that? I mean, what at the core, biblical Christianity, we desire to bless others and help other people out. That's what Jesus calls us to do, to love people, to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? To to bless people, to to no matter what they do, you forgive them, um, you help them out, you, you help your brother and sister in need, and you help those that hate you. You look at Jesus, and if you try to model that, when he's on the cross, after he's been mocked, beaten, rejected by his own people, he's hanging there almost ready to die, and he's like, God, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like, what? Like, come on, man, that's biblical Christianity. You know, we, are, we, we stand against sexual immorality. Sex is sacred to God. We're, we're against pornography. That is bad. That is evil. It's a sin to watch pornography, to be involved in it. It's a lust at the heart. It's completely evil. We're against sex before marriage. We believe people should be together before, like come together and make that covenant before God, before you get intimate physically, right? We are against, you know, issues like abortion. Life is precious. We don't believe in, in killing life, right? We, even in the womb, it's still life because in Jeremiah, we, we see that God knit Jeremiah together in the womb. He knits us together in the womb. That's where it starts, right, is in the womb. So, and, I mean, we are against abuse. We're against hatred. And through all these things, why are we not accepted into this world? I mean, at the core of it, we don't desire to do bad to anybody. And really, if the world believes what they say it believes and say, if Jesus isn't God, right, and, and we just believe in something untrue, then why won't they leave us alone? Why is it such an issue that we praise Jesus and that we love Jesus if it's so untrue? Well, the fact is, church, that Jesus is real and what he did is real. He died for our sins and he rose again on the third day for you and for me, and that's a reality. And so as we, we realize because Jesus is real, because we follow him that, you know, it doesn't matter how much light you bring into the world, you are still going to be rejected. You are still going to be hated by the world because Jesus is countercultural. He is, he is completely against the culture of the day and the fact of he stands up, he is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and we are supposed to represent that even when it is unpopular. 
So as we go through the world, we have to, um, we need something to sustain us. We need something to help us as we live for Jesus in this evil and broken world, okay? So turn with me to um, the next few verses. We'll read verse 8 again and then go through 11. Paul is saying, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. You know, to truly follow Jesus, we need to rely on the power of the resurrection. You know, and I am so glad that Jesus wanted me. I am so glad that he saved me from the dark place I was in and the lifestyles and the choices I was in and, and transformed not only my life, but my heart and my mind and everything about it. So, you know, whether you know that Jesus loves you or not, I want to assure you that he does and he cares about you and he wants a real relationship with you. You know, Jesus wants the best for you. And through faith, he gives you the power to overcome your past and to overcome your sinful habits and to transform you into a new creation. That's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants the best for you, the absolute best, and he knows what is best. He knows what you need the most. And so, uh, you know, I, I thought that too, that there's no way Jesus would want me, but he does. He wants everybody. He wants everybody to come to him. That's why it's so important to spread the good news because everyone needs to hear it. And so while we do this, we need this power. You know, Jesus was always going after the unworthy, the unlovable, uh, the lowly, the nobodies, the rejects, you know, um, the fools. And by God's grace, as he went after them and pursued them and taught them and trained them, you know, they were, they were not only accepted, but they were transformed. They didn't stay the same way that they were. And this ongoing work of grace that God gives us it gives us the ability to share this message and to face whatever struggle or trial that we come up against. Because of the grace of God, not only are we able to continue to spread the message, but no matter what tries to attack us, we have the power to overcome and to endure and to get through. You know, Paul reminds the church that it was God's grace that saved him and transformed him and that it wasn't in vain. And that term in vain means without success. Paul is saying that, you know, it, God's grace, what he gave me, uh, it wasn't useless. Like I didn't just, oh, thank you, you know, and sit back and relax because God's forgiven me. You know, you look at Paul, he went from persecuting the church, like he said, persecuting the church of God to probably being the, the most famous and, and just the strongest missionary in the world, like on record. He did so much for the kingdom of God. And so in us, like God's grace produces results. I mean, it produces results in not just our lives, but in our hearts um, and in our minds, and it propels around us. Like God's grace completely transforms you, and then, and then everything that you, how you think, how you live, begins to show to everyone else around you, whether they believe in Jesus or not. Like God's grace is evident in your life. You know, this isn't just an idea, but a changing and transforming reality. You know, we, we have to look at Paul and, and like he said, like this wasn't in vain. Don't let God's grace be in vain in your life. 
Don't let the fact that he saved you to be like, well, that's it, I'm saved and that's all. Like there's so much more that God wants to do through you. There's so much more that God wants to do in you. So don't do what, what Paul didn't do, right? He didn't just sit back and relax like, be a doer, like go and advance the kingdom of God because that's where um, the power really comes in. You know, you may have been dealing with um, issues or, or dealing with right now where you're struggling. And you're like, I just can't do it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's um, homeschooling your kids right now or just not being able to work or being stuck inside your home, whatever it is. And you're like, I just, I can't, I can't even right now, right? The ultimate millennial statement, like I can't even. And you're just struggling and you're dealing with it and you're, you're, at, you're coming to the end of yourself. You're like, I can't do it. You know what? I can't, I can't do this anymore. And you know what? That's okay because you don't have to do it alone. God is there to help you and to work in your life for you. You know, he will sustain you and he gives you that power and we need it. Why is the resurrection so crucial? Because it proves that what Jesus said is true, right? It affirms, like I said, it affirms everything that he said and he also promised to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus did that, then you know you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and get that power to be completely anointed, to be no matter what you're going through, that you were able to overcome it and go through it. You know, the devil and the entire demonic realm, they're really not worried about people believing in Jesus. Like, I don't know if that's a secret to you or not. They could care less, honestly, if you believe in Jesus, like or believe that he's the son of God. I mean, they do. They believe it. They know he wasn't. As we're going to look through this summer and maybe even further on as, as these, you know, demons and possessed people, they would come face to face with Jesus. They would know who he is. They would understand his authority and they couldn't overpower him. Like, the devil knows who Jesus is. And so you believing in Jesus is not enough, right? What they fight against is when you walk in that faith. When you not only say, you know what, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but you live it out. You do it. You walk in that power. You know, when you, when you stand up for what is right, when you pray for people to be set free from addiction, when you stand in and intercede for someone that is really struggling and you're like, you know what, I'm here with you. I'm gonna battle with you, you know? Or, or you, you pray for people to be healed from whatever issues they have. When you speak truth into people's life, when you present the real Jesus to them, not this you know, sugar-coated gospel that everything's gonna be great, when you tell them what Jesus really has done for them and how he is there for them and how he loves them, you know? That's when you really fought hard. That's when you need that power is when you're actually living it out and you're being attacked the Holy Spirit gets in you and just fills you up but I wonder this what do you do when you are going to church when you are praying for people when you are you know tithing and offering and, and doing all these things you're being faithful you're doing what the Bible says and yet despite all that you look at your kids and you're like they're not where they need to be they're nowhere what I train them. Like they're not following God in any way. Like what is going on? Or you're advancing the kingdom and, and doing what God's called you to do, but you're, you and your spouse just seem like you're going further and further away and you're struggling and, and you're having all these issues. It's when you start to experience things that you never saw coming. You know, you never thought that you would end up in this situation or end up in this circumstance or, or you start to feel all alone, um, like you're by yourself and you start getting depressed and it just, you know, all these things start flooding in and, and basically when you get to the point where you feel like you want to die. You know, you're not alone in that. There are prophets all through the Old Testament that felt this way. They were like, I want to die. I just don't want to go on. And that is where 
God's power comes in your life. That's where it's needed because the Holy Spirit comes into your life to keep you charged, to remind you that he is there for you, right? To keep you focused, to fill you with wisdom on, on what to say and how to say it and how to act in certain situations and to remind you that no matter what's going on, Jesus is still there. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. And so this power, this transforming reality of being filled with the Holy Spirit is what kept Paul going. When he is writing this letter to the Corinthian church, he has already been ran out of town. I mean, he has been rejected, he has been beaten, and he has been jailed. Like, he's went through a lot of stuff, and yet through all of this, he is reminded of the future. He is reminded that no matter how bad things are or how they seem, that Jesus is still in charge, and he has chosen Paul. Paul was chosen to do this. Paul was chosen to go through these things. And so I don't know if you've experienced what Paul has experienced. Maybe you haven't been physically jailed and beaten, but maybe you have emotionally. Maybe you have mentally. Maybe you've been imprisoned in your thoughts and, and different things that you're experiencing and you're just struggling and you feel like you're all alone. Well, <clears throat> you may feel trapped and you may feel discouraged and you may feel rejected, but these moments, though they seem terrible in the moment, they are actually there to help you out. They are actually, you know, when it seems like it's almost unbearable, God uses those moments a lot of time to increase our faith. And you're like, how is that possible? I'm so glad you asked me that. Now, in Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 3, this is what it says. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. If you jump to verse 10, it says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall be saved by His life. What hope is that? I mean, you have to look at it when we were dead in our sins, when we were struggling in, in enemies of Jesus, that he still died for us and he still loved us. So how much more now that we trust him, that we obey him, that we have faith in him, that he is going to make things okay. He is going to work these situations for your benefit. And I'm not saying you're going to have a perfect life. And I'm not saying, you know, everything is going to be awesome all the time in your life. But when things seem terrible, let God increase your faith. Let God bless you. Let God grow you in that endurance and grow you in that character. So when, you, when you're suffering, you're like, man, God is using this for a reason. It is okay. He is going to sustain me through it. You know, we need to let Jesus fill us with his love and power so that we can walk in that victory every single day. Because Jesus has already won. In the same spirit that rose him from the dead on that third day is the same spirit that resides in every single Christian that believes in him and has faith in him. That is the transforming reality. You know, you are a heavenly warrior. You're not just a bystander or, or you know, someone that just can get kicked around all the time. You are a warrior for God. You are promised, uh, you know, blessings and, and, and you are promised that you are going to wage this spiritual warfare. You are going to help people. You're going to bless people. That God's spirit is going to flow through you when you pray, when you live it out, and when you endure the toughest things in life that, you know, God is going to use that to not only bless you and help you, but to bless other people around you. You know, I'm reminded of this story that there was this, these missionaries to Africa and 
they had um, their their baby there and uh, end up like the baby was really sick and the entire village like they weren't reaching um, for the God like nobody was really hearing about Jesus they they knew what they believed in but they weren't you know becoming a part of it or believers and so they watched as this family struggled with seeing their 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 child almost die right and to the point that where the sickness ran its course and the, the baby ended up dying and you know the missionaries were heartbroken and they struggled but yet through that they continued to praise God and they continued to trust in God and put their faith in God even though they had lost this baby they were like God I know you're gonna make this okay you're going to use this to help us and increase us and through that that entire community saw how they trusted Jesus. They saw even through the worst circumstances of their life that they still put their faith in God. And the whole community realized like there's something about this. And they were able to actually preach the gospel and the people were actually able to receive it. And so, you know, the, the, the fact that we go through these things, um, even when it seems terrible, God will still use it to advance the kingdom. He will still use it to let the world know about who he is and what he has done, you know? And the reality is, you shouldn't fear the devil. It's the devil that fears those that truly have that foundation in Christ, that truly walk it out, that truly obey Jesus. It's those Christians that when the storms rage and, and everything seems terrible around them, that they are unshakable and they are immovable. When, when you know, depression enters your mind, it, it's overwhelmed by this abundance of joy that only comes from Jesus. Like the joy of the Lord is our strength when you're going through that. Pray, God, I need your joy right now. And he will fill you up. He will sustain you through that. It's when you feel rejected and unloved that the love of Jesus fills you up and reminds you how much you mean to him. Like, Jesus cares about you. He was willing to be beaten and mocked and bruised and he died on the cross for you in front of people. A spectacle, right? A man of sorrows, Isaiah 53 says. And he did it because he loves you and cares about you. So when you start feeling like, you know, I'm nobody or no one cares about me, Jesus does. He is right there with you. And when you feel all alone, be reminded that Jesus is there in the fire with you. He is battling on your behalf. He is protecting you. He is covering you. He is there for you, and he's there for your family. So when, if you feel weak, then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray, God, I need more of your spirit. I need more of a relationship with you. I need to be closer with you because I need that source. I need you to be the source of my life, the source of my joy, the source of my victory, the source of everything. So let Jesus transform you and stop questioning whether or not he cares. Like, oh, does Jesus even care? Does God even care about what I'm going through right now? But be filled with the confidence that Jesus will give you victory, that he does care, that he does love you, and that he does want to uh, sustain you through the worst things in your life. We need that power. So let's wrap up with these last few verses. Starting verse 22 now, we're going to jump to, sorry, verse 20 through 22. Verse 20 says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You know, these verses point to the result of the resurrection. And I want to point out something that uh, a word that Paul used to describe the resurrection of Jesus. He said, first fruits. 
you know, I'm, I'm not a farmer or anything else, but this has significant value if you can understand it. So the first fruits in the Old Testament were basically this act of giving God the first and the best of the harvest or the first and the best of your flock or whatever else. And it was this bond and intimacy between the worker and God. You know, it was the sense of, of sacrifice on your part, right? That that God, you you I have you know this harvest and I have this flock and I thank you, God, that you did that. It was you that did that. It was you that that fertilized the soil. It was you that made this stuff grow. It was you that was actually providing the, the grass or hay or whatever for my flock. And so because of that, God, I give you the first and the best. And through that, it's this act of faith that's, God, because I'm giving you this and I'm trusting you, you're going to do it again, that you are going to give me another harvest, that you are going to continue to bless me and sustain me and give that that provision and, and, and bless me continually that, you know what, I'm going to prove it by this act of obedience, by this act of sacrifice, by this act of faith. And so it's this intimacy between, uh, you know, the worker and God. And so through Jesus, he is that first fruit for us. He is that promise that we will never die. How will we know that we will live forever and have eternal life and, and that we'll be raised from the dead? How do we know it's not all, you know, just just in this book and, and, and it's just, you know, um, ridiculousness, right? Or whatever else or something that you can never believe in because Jesus did it. Jesus raised from the dead. He is the first fruit. He is that promise. He is the embodiment of that promise that, hey, guys, I said I was going to do it. Now I did it. Now I'm telling you, you're going to be raised to life. You will have eternal life. If you believe in me and you follow me, the same thing will happen to you. And that's our promise that if we believe in Jesus and we accept him and we claim as Lord of our life, that, that, you know, honestly, our eternity is just beginning. Like we don't have to worry about the future or worry about where I'm going to spend eternity or whatever else, because when we believe in Jesus, that's where your life starts. You are born again. You are a new creation. And ultimately, we won't and can't be defeated. Like God will always reign supreme and we will be with him because of what Jesus did for us, because of what he did on the cross for everyone that believes in him. And this has just such like huge implications. You know, before I moved here with, with Shay um, to Germany, I had lost two uncles recently in this like tragic and out of nowhere car accident. Um, they were, you know, they were actually, they were driving back from a small church where they were helping fix the plumbing and then they, the, the tires or rods messed up and they went head on with another vehicle um, and they both lost their life then. And so it was, it was tragic. And it was like, are you kidding me? Like the entire family was brokenhearted about it. And it was just this ridiculous thing. And, and even before, um, you know, about a year ago, I lost my grandpa and uh, he ended up passing away. And so these moments where you lose people that you love can seem so heartbreaking, right? If you've ever lost anyone, you know what I'm talking about. It just, it can feel like your heart is outside of your chest and you just feel terrible, you know? But here is the awesome news. My uncles and my grandpa all had a relationship with Jesus. 
they were all saved. One of my uncles, he had just recently rededicated his life to Jesus and said, you know what, God, I'm all in. I'm done playing back and forth and I'm on the fence like I'm all in for you, Jesus. And through that, we have that hope that, you know, what, I'm going to see him again. Because they accepted Jesus, because they believed in Jesus, they are in heaven with Jesus right now. And I will be there with them. We, we will be able to see each other again. And such is the hope for everyone that believes in Jesus, that we will spend eternity together with him and with each other and will reign forever. There will be no end. You know, and, and the, the truth is everyone dies, but not everyone will go to heaven, right? And so, you know, if you, if you love your family or you love your friends, like, wouldn't you want to see them again? Isn't it worth having those awkward and kind of weird conversations about Jesus to them to share the gospel? Because it's simple. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and then he rose again. That's the gospel. And through that, you can have eternal life believing in that, believing who he says he is, right? And just having that simple conversation. But I know it gets awkward, but Think of how ridiculous this sounds, okay? This, this illustration. Say there's a person standing on the tracks, right? And say they've got headphones in, they're on the phone, they're using Bluetooth or whatever else, and, and they're on an important phone call, okay? They're doing stuff, but they're on a train track, and a train is coming straight for them. Like, they're, maybe their backs to it, they're not recognizing that it's coming, right? But this train is coming full force to them and cannot stop and won't stop, right? And you see, you see in the distance that, that this person is on the phone and that a train is coming for them. Now, here's, here's what I'm saying. Does it sound ridiculous to be like, oh man, like that train is going to get them. Um, that train is, is coming after them. But you know what? Um, they're on an important phone call. They look like they're really busy. I really don't want to bother them. What if, what if I interrupt their phone call and they're offended by me and they get upset with me because, you know, I, I told them that a train was coming their way and was going to crush them and destroy them and kill them, right? Like. That's what it's like not sharing the gospel because you're afraid you're going to offend someone. Like, guys, there's a bigger picture. I mean, hell is real. And if people don't have Jesus and they don't believe in Jesus, then that is where they're going. And so because of that, heaven is also real. And what Jesus did and what Jesus promised is also real. And in heaven will be perfection. So don't let, because you're afraid or those nerves get you or whatever else, like pray, God, I don't know how to say this. And I am afraid to offend them. I'm afraid of, you know, losing them as a friend or whatever else. But God, I need your boldness because I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to know you, Jesus. I want them to start their eternity now, to be a citizen of heaven now. And so they don't have to go to hell and have this eternal punishment because I love them. If you love people, you're going to share the gospel with people. You're going to tell people about Jesus. And you, if you're passionate about Jesus, it's going to come out. And I'm not saying it's easy every time, but isn't it worth it? Don't you think it's worth it? Because this is what heaven is going to be like, right? This is what we all get to look forward to. In Revelation chapter 21, starting at verse 3, it says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things I have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. What an amazing future is promised to all that believe in Jesus. Like, can you imagine that? Like, no more pain, no more emotional pain, physical pain, mental pain, whatever else it is. There's no more heartache. There's no more depression. There's no more anxiety. There's no more fear. There's no more death of any kind. No more hatred. Like, we will be whole and there will be perfection and unity between people and God forever and ever. Like, that, that is awesome. Like, everything God wanted in the beginning when he created Adam and Eve and, and desired this relationship with his children that, that they disobeyed and turned away, well, because of what Jesus did, that is restored. Our perfect communion, our perfect relationship with God, not only while we're here on earth, but especially when we go to heaven, especially when we'll be with him. And, and if you see, Jesus says that to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The fact is, you didn't have to do it. You did not have to do the heavy lifting. Jesus did it for you. Jesus did all the hard work. He lived a perfect, sinless life and died on the cross for your sins. And he did it to restore your relationship with God. He did it because he loves you and he cares about you. So my question is, will you trust Jesus today? Maybe you've never accepted Jesus into your life, or you know, you've been coming to church and, and, and you're, pretty, you're pretty religious, you're pretty good at it, but you don't have that real intimate relationship with Jesus. Would you do that today? Would you get alone with Jesus? You know, and we say there's these sinner's prayer and everything else, but Jesus knows your heart. He knows what you want. He knows how, how, how simple you can ask him into your life. And so you don't need this long list of all these things and check marks. You can just get alone with Jesus. Get in your closet, get in a room, shut the door, and be alone with Jesus. If you need help, go to someone who is a Christian and ask him, like, I don't know how to accept Jesus. Will you help me? Talk to your parents, talk to your friends, whatever. Um, connect with uh, the church in any way, growth group leaders. We will be more than happy to help you to understand what it means to accept Jesus and to do it. But be real. Maybe you're at a place where, you know, you, you have accepted Jesus. And, and you know what? And maybe you're, you're at this point where you've, you're kind of in this lukewarm phase that you are not passionate about Jesus. You're not passionate about sharing the gospel. You know, you're, you, you see what Jesus called you to do and you've kind of walked away from it. Well, you know what? You can always ask for forgiveness and start fresh. Like God's mercies are new every morning. This morning is a new day for you. Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead to give you that, to give you that second chance and third chance and fourth chance and, and to be able to trust him again and, and live for him again. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you can ask for forgiveness and you can be set free from things in your life that it maybe have been weighing you down. I want you to do something this week. If you have accepted Jesus into your life, that I want you to just, you know, get alone in, in your closet or prayer time or whatever else and get alone with Jesus and, and just remember what it was like when you gave your life to Jesus. Remember what you were dealing with, what was going on, how Jesus set you free and how he's transformed you. And, and answer this question, do you trust Jesus more then or do you trust him more now? Are you closer with him or were you closer with him then or are you closer with him now? Do there need to be changes in your life? Do there need to be things Jesus is calling you to do that you're just afraid to do? Well, you know, just ask him to be filled with your power. Be ask him with his power to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to transform your life and mind. And it's, it's a daily thing. It's a continual thing. So will you do that? Will you trust Jesus um, more? Will you give your life to Jesus? 
Because honestly, yeah, Jesus knows where we all are. He knows where we stand. I don't know. I don't know what your relationship is like with Jesus, but I know that he loves you and I know that he cares about you. And I know that no matter where you are in your life, he desires to know you and to love you and to transform you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for blessing this time, Lord God. I thank you for speaking to everyone, Lord, and, and whatever they need to hear to remind them or to share this good news for the first time. God, I ask that you would just speak to us. Lord, that you would reveal things in our lives that need to change, Lord God. If we've never given our life to you, that we would do that. We would say, Jesus, just come into my life and save me and transform me. And you will do that, God. You are, you are true and you love us, Lord God. I ask that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit and power and love and joy, Lord, all the fruits of the Spirit, Lord Jesus, so that we can better propel the gospel around us, that we can be a light to people, that we can love people, Lord, that we can, um, you know, through, through you using us, more people can go to heaven, more people can trust you and believe in you, Jesus. I just ask, Lord God, that as we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, as we celebrate Easter, that you would just bless our time, that you would bless them through this season of quarantine and everything that we're going through, and you would sustain us, Lord, that you would fill us with your joy, give us peace in our homes, Lord God, and, and destroy the chaos in our lives and our minds. God, we just love you so much, and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.